invite you to open your Bibles to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. And I'd like to begin reading at verse 9 and read to the end of the chapter. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning at verse 9. O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out the heavens with the span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket, and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing in vanity. To whom then will ye liken God, or what likeness will ye compare unto him? The workman melteth a graven image, and the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold and casteth silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth, and he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom then will ye liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. For that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, 
My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. This reading begins there in verse 9 with a, a call uh, to the messengers, Zion, uh, Jerusalem, there in verse 9. They're the heralds, are to be the heralds, the giver of good tidings. And they're to give the good news to the, uh, to the cities of Jerusalem. And uh, there, there is some, uh, some disagreement with how that, it could be uh, interpreted the other way, that they are the receivers of the message. But in, in any case, they are to, uh, to pass it on to the cities of Judah and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And the news that was given to the heralds is, is important news. It's, uh, it's good news, it's important news, it's critical news. And it's, it's a practical news that, that will make a difference in the lives of the Judeans and the Samaritans and anywhere in the world, the nations afar, that listen to and respond to that, to that message. It's a difference of, of life and death. It's a difference of between hope and despair. And so he says to the heralds to get up onto a high mountain, onto an elevated spot, uh, like, uh, like on a stage so the speaker can be seen and heard and, the, and his voice carries. And he tells them to lift up their voice, put effort into it in volume. Don't be bashful, don't be fearful, but uh, proclaim this message that is for Jerusalem and Judah and for the world. And this is the message, just in a nutshell, that he gives there. Behold your God. Behold your God. And the rest of the chapter of uh, Isaiah 40 is a song of praise describing God, God the Messiah, uh, Jesus Christ. And it describes his character. It describes his, his work. And I'd like to for us this morning to... Uh, Consider some of the things that Isaiah 40 tells us about God and the perspective that it gives us on, on our Savior. There are two perspectives in this chapter that, that I notice. I mean, it doesn't share them, but it gives us the, uh, the viewpoint. Uh, it mentions in verse 22 the, uh, the grasshoppers. It doesn't, make a, it doesn't elaborate on this, but the inhabitants of the earth are as grasshoppers. And, you know, they're, they're low to the earth. 
down among the, the grass, and they hop about, and they, um, they, they don't get very high at all, and they, they fly for a little distance. They may land on a tall weed, but they don't go far, and they have a limited view. And that's, that's the way that uh, a lot of people are, the people that are in darkness. There's another perspective, and that's in the, uh, the last verse. It, it speaks of the eagles that mount up with wings. And uh, eagles soar high, and they have a perspective that is far, far higher than that of a, of a grasshopper. And I think that is a, um, that fits well with a Christian who reads Isaiah 40, reads the scriptures, reads the gospels, and understands the message, accepts the message, and the messenger, Jesus Christ. And they see, they see far, they see far into the future, they, they see things uh, from a spiritual perspective that, that their unsaved friends and neighbors don't see, that they wish they could alert them to and tell them and, and help them to see. And part of what they don't see is God and who God is and what God can do and would like to do. So we'll look at some of the things that this passage tells us about God that is a real encouragement to any Christian and, and helps him to um, go through life a different person than an unsaved person and with a different attitude, with a different perspective. And the first is, We'll look at verse 10. That God is greater than any opposition, than any foe, anything that would come up against him. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. He will come with power and might. He will come against the foe. He comforts the Christian. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He comforts and encourages the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he promises, he tells us that Satan is defeated. That's why the Son of God was manifested, 1 John 3.8, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And he will rule, and he will overrule any purpose, any plan, any effort that is contrary to his sovereign and holy will. Now the grasshopper, the grasshopper tendency is to just view the obstacles. You know, I sense grasshopperishness in myself at times. You know, we see an obstacle, we see the earthly powers, 
and earthly ways of solving our problems and coming to solutions. And we look to, at the size of the opposition and we look at our own limited strength and we are daunted by the difficulties. I remember when I was a young grasshopper and was the first time I was, I don't know whether I was 15, 14, 15, and I was asked to, um, for the first time, to be the moderator of a Sunday evening service. That, you know, is um, not an awfully involved uh, little, little uh, work. And all the people that would be there would be people that would care about me and be supporting and encouraging and would wish for me to do well. But in the weeks ahead of that, that just loomed up awfully big and scary. And the one thing that, that uh, made me more nervous maybe than anything with it was the prayer. And I remember going down in the pasture and getting up the cows and I was um, practicing an oral extemporaneous prayer. And I'd get myself in little corners, you know, kind of jammed up and have to, you know, how would I have gotten out of that corner, you know, and still make sense in the prayer. But it was a scary thing. Um, I, I still can be shy at times. I often am. But, you know, that's just a tendency that, that people have. And I think about Elisha there in the town of Dothan and how the king of Syria wanted badly to get a hold of Elisha. And uh, he found out from someone where he was. And so he sent a, 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 an army with uh, horses and chariots and a vast host of men. And they surrounded Dothan. And the next morning at the crack of dawn, uh, Elisha's servant stepped outside, looked out the window or something. And he had a grasshopper's view of the obstacle, the opposition that they were facing. It was huge. It was insurmountable. And you remember how Elisha uh, tried to calm his panicking servant and he prayed that God would open his eyes and give him an eagle perspective. And then he saw there's more with us than be with them. And that is the eagle perspective. Behold the mighty God greater than any obstacle, any foe. That doesn't mean we won't have difficult or uncomfortable moments, but for eagles, there is a comfort of the strength of God to help us. This uh, passage also emphasizes that God is greater than the creation. It refers to the creation in a number of places. Uh, Twelve is one who hath measured the water, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. And that's one of a number of places where, there, where he asks a question, a rhetorical question, to which the answer is obvious. And the reader can supply 
the, the answer. And so the question isn't, um, isn't asking for information, it's making a point when he asks these questions and then gives evidence that supports the point. See what God can hold in his hand? See how great that is compared to, uh, to puny man? And in verse 22, he sitteth upon the circle of the earth. He is above the earth. He is over men and grasshoppers and the rest of the creation. And he stretches out the heavens like a tent. And a few verses later in uh, verse 26, look at the stars. He brings out their host by number. It's kind of the idea there of, of doing a roll call of the stars at night and then they twinkling to light in answer to the call is, is a little bit the picture there. But it is, it is God that put them there, and he knows them, for that he is strong in power. And he is the creator, in verse 28, of the ends of the earth, and he sustains all things we know from the scriptures. Now, many, many grasshoppers uh, don't, don't see the creator. They maybe explain the creation if they think about it and think about origins just with bangs and other theories. Or they just see the pretty stars and don't think about who made them. They don't worship him. Or they may say, uh, yes, uh, I think God created the earth, that he made the stars. But they may struggle with how he made, how, how he made them, how God made me. And having uh, trouble acknowledging that God made me, that God designed me and placed me here for a purpose. And the eagle, the eagle perspective beholds a creator God, a designer who not only created all the universe, but he created us and has a plan for us and placed us here for a reason. A third uh, lesson that we see in this chapter uh, in verses 18 through 22, he talks about the idols. God is greater than man's idols. And I'll not read through those verses again, <clears throat> but you'll notice there, uh, there's a rich man. And he has an image made of metal and has it covered with gold. And he casts, has silver chains cast a poor man uses wood. He finds a good, solid piece of a tree that doesn't rot easily, and he finds a craftsman that can carve an image that he would worship. How foolish. How very foolish. And so men of earth, grasshoppers, whether rich or poor, so often they choose idols over God. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And they chose 
But they didn't choose God. They don't choose God. They love the things of the earth. They find their pleasures on the earth. They find their security on the earth. They find their fulfillment, what they find of it, on the earth. Their hearts are stuck on the earth. Have ye not known, he asks, we know, we know how foolish we say of people with idols of gold and silver and wood. You know, just so obviously ridiculous to think that a little image can do something for us. But we are reminded that idols come in many forms. And they can be in our houses. They can be in our hearts. Anything that is idolized or treasured or trusted above God. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundations of the earth? Grasshoppers idolize and love and adore things of the earth, pursuits of the earth. The eagle perspective beholds God and knows and sees that God is greater than any idol, that he is far better than any idol, far more able than any idol. And they eagles come to love the Lord their God with all their heart and mind and soul and strength, to love him before all else. That's the eagle perspective. A fourth uh, lesson from this chapter, God is wiser than all man's wisdom. Thirteen, who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way of understanding? Rhetorical questions here again. Who directs God? No one. Who counsels God? Why, no one. Who teaches him? Who explains things to God? Who instructs him? Well, no one. Who gives him guidance how to do things? No one. Hast thou not known, in verse 28, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. God's wisdom is beyond our comprehension. Grasshoppers tend to admire their own thoughts and ideas, have pretty high opinions of what they think often, or of other men. They may care a lot more about what men think than what God says. They can be very impressed with their own accomplishments that they so wisely did their achievements. 
In Isaiah 55, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways are so ever so much higher than grasshopper thoughts and grasshopper wisdom. Grasshoppers are so wrong about so very many things. Laodicea Church that um, John, that Jesus wrote a letter to, they had a very high opinion of themselves, of their wealth, and of their um, abilities. They were blind. They had a grasshopper perspective. They didn't see. They needed ISAV. They needed something to help them so they could see like eagles. Grasshoppers can reason and excuse and rationalize why the way we do something is better than what God actually says to do. Eagles behold the all-wise God. And they recognize him and his wisdom. A fifth lesson, God is greater than nations and kings and all the doings of man. In verses 15 through 17, the nations are a drop of a bucket and small dust. Lebanon isn't sufficient for a sacrifice. All the nations are nothing. But the pomp and circumstance of nations and kings, the strutting and the posturing, the self-importance. But all the nations compared to God are less than nothing. They are emptiness. They're insignificant. They amount to nothing in his presence. And in verse 22, he points out that they are, the inhabitants of the earth are as grasshoppers, scurrying about their little errands, pursuing their little goals and their little conquests, but they're so insignificant in comparison to God. In uh, verse 24, he points out the princes and the judges and the rulers have scarcely been planted. They've scarcely gotten into their positions of power and have hardly taken root in their careers and, and uh, their pursuits when God's breath blows on them and they wither up and are blown away. Life is done. God isn't saying by that that he's not interested in the nations. He is. He's not saying that he's not interested in rulers and man. He is. For God so loved the world. But God is the judge of man. God, man kneels before God, not God beholden to man. God decides. Man doesn't 
persuade God or deal with God for a lighter sentence or a pardon. God made the provision through Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Grasshoppers tend to think they're important and that they do important things. And they tend to be proud of their accomplishments. But eagles are humble. They bow before God. A sixth lesson is, teaches us that God is a compassionate shepherd. In verse 11, we're kind of jumping back and forth. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. A tender shepherd that loves his sheep, leads them, he feeds them, tends them, meets their individual needs. The lambs are cradled in his arms. Those with young are gently led. He protects them from their enemies. He sacrifices himself. He's not a hireling like Jesus talked about. He doesn't forsake them. He is not derelict in his duty. Uh, a few years ago, I read about uh, some Turkish shepherds that were taking uh, care of about over a thousand sheep. And... Um, they paused for breakfast. They went off to the side somewhere and were having their breakfast. And uh, while they were eating, they suddenly noticed some sheep taking off. I don't know what got them stirred up. And the other sheep started following. And they raced off and uh, went over a cliff, like it's about 50, 60, 70 feet. And the first, I think it was about 400 of them that were killed. And the rest of them just piled on, you know, and they were cushioned and survived. But it was a great loss. Um, I don't think they were, they just uh, weren't being as careful as they should have been. But Jesus never forsakes. He's not derelict in his duty. You know, grasshoppers, they tend not to appreciate these, this compassionate shepherd. They sometimes resent the shepherd. They sometimes resent his interference. Maybe they don't care for the diet. Sometimes they see the enemies, their enemies, as buddies. Sometimes they follow the counsel of the enemy of their souls. But eagles behold a compassionate, the compassionate God, and they're appreciative sheep. They love the shepherd. They hear his voice and they follow him. And the last lesson that I want to notice here is that God is the source of strength and life. In verse 27, it seems like Israel had begun to wonder if God had forgotten them or abandoned them. Sometimes people feel that way. But he says, not so, hast thou not known? Our ways are not hidden from God, nor has he overlooked anyone 
or forgotten anyone, nor are the sincere prayers and petitions and pleas passed over and ignored by God. Haven't you known? Have you forgotten? God is never exhausted, never worn out. The creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Psalm 121, verse 4. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The Lord, the sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Have you not heard, Isaiah asked? Many grasshoppers have not. Jeremiah 4.22, For my people is foolish, they have not known me. In John 14.9, Jesus said, Have I been so long with you, and yet thou hast not known me? Speaking to grasshopper Philip, who was growing, morphing from a, God was making him into a, an eagle. And even youth, he points out, with all their energy and strength, in their prime, they can, even then, they can grow weary and fall and stumble. But God has life, this tells us. God has life and strength for those who look to him, for those that wait and trust in the Lord. They soar with the eagles. So grasshoppers, they go on their own strength, their own intelligence. That's all they have. They do their thing on the ground. They hop, they fly. They do their little things that are important to them. But they don't go very far, and they have a very limited view. They may accomplished a lot in their own view of things, in the view of other grasshoppers even, but not in the eyes of God. But the eagles are touched by God. They soar, they, they reach for God, and they touch him, they reach him. And they find spiritual strength. And they have a spiritual view, the view of eagles. But you know, besides soaring high like we admire uh, eagles, and you see many pictures of eagles soaring in the sky. I think it's a beautiful picture. But notice here in verse 31, it also talks about running and not being weary and walking and not being faint. 
which I think reminds us that while we soar in the heavenly places with God, that we're also living a life here on the earth. There's a work we're doing here on the earth. We're carpenters and farmers and housewives. We're at home, we're at school, we're at work. We're moms and dads and youth and grandparents living a life here on the earth. and doing a work here on the earth. But even while we're doing that, we are soaring in heavenly places. We can be eagles. God with us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And so, though we may work right beside a grasshopper, um, we see something he doesn't see. And we know things he doesn't know. And we're concerned about things that he doesn't think about. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Behold your God. And part of this message that it's giving here is, O Zion, that bring us good tidings. O Jerusalem, that bring us good tidings. Get thee up into the high mountain. Lift up thy voice with strength. God wants eagles to be heralds. And it's part of passing on the message to encouraging one another, uh, encouraging our children, encouraging the people, the grasshoppers that we meet. Shall we have a song?